his very first time because he wanted to be here. And then uh, he and Gary became really close friends, and, and um, man, they're inseparable now. I mean, it's really cool to see uh, what God has been doing in, in their friendship and their relationship. Uh, we started studying the Bible early in, uh, early in January, and uh, as we studied, you know, uh, just to make sure that, that he had a right standing with God, and uh, it's been awesome to hear his story. He tells me at the age of 12 that he conve- convinced a, um, a preacher to baptize him that didn't believe in baptism. And I'm like going, that's going to take quite a 12-year-old to convince me of anything, you know, but at 12 years old. So it's really been neat. Daryl wants to place membership here at the Greater Old Church. So uh, he, uh, he took right on to the family. I mean, he started attending Bob Hawkins's. Uh, classes, uh, the sunset classes, and it's just been neat uh, getting to know Daryl. I know Gary wants to say something, too. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, Daryl got me on my comfort zone. Uh, when he first came in a cab, and I saw him at the church, I said, are you taking a cab home? I said, no, you're not. So I had to, you know, be cool. You know how I, I excited I get, but, you know, and he, he asked me if there was classes during the week. I said, yeah, sunset classes. I've wanted to get back into him, but I was lukewarm. So he got him out got me on my lukewarmness and we became close friends and his knowledge of God is awesome and when we take the sun class, sunset classes he's like an assistant teacher his knowledge of the Bible so glad to have you Amen Amen Did you want to say anything Daryl? Well thank you everybody I appreciate you and, uh, I fell in love with the people in this church this congregation I just uh, I really enjoy myself here on behalf of the church, we want to present to you the Daily Bible. All right, and then, and then if you want, you can ask Tim, and he'll get you information on daily text or something like that. So okay. anyway, thank, thank you. you very much. That's cool. Uh, uh, we got a few other things I'll let you know about, and um, again, it's great uh, to have Daryl here. You know, uh, he was saying, "I love this place. I love this church." And I thought, me too, me too. Um, there's a few things on your bulletin. If you've got a bulletin, you'd like to take that out. Uh, you'll notice a guy that, that you probably are familiar with on the very back named Phil Robinson. And uh, Robertson, I guess his name. And he's from Duck Dynasty. He's the patriarch of, of the family in Duck Dynasty. What we have is this Wednesday. He's not going to be here Wednesday. I may give you the impression he's going to be here Wednesday. But, we, but he spoke at Tulsa, the Soul Winning Workshop in Tulsa in March. And we've, we have that on DVD. And we'd like to invite you all to come join us at 7 o'clock this Wednesday here. We haven't had a Wednesday night service in a long time all together. And we're going to be watching uh, his uh, lesson that he gave, like, say, last March. And, and Bob has assured me it's very good. You'll be very encouraged by it. And that's at 7 o'clock this Wednesday, so I hope you can make it. Also, you're going to notice some things about camp, probably your bulletin. We have uh, Senior Week or Junior High and Senior Week, Teen Week coming up, and Little Prairie Bible Camp for our primary age, our third through fifth graders. And if you're going to Little Prairie, would you stand up for just a second and see who's who we got here? Okay, we got a few here. We good. Great. I'm glad you know it. I, the reason I had him stand up is because this is a great staff. Uh, I've had a lot of great staffs I've worked with in camp, and, and uh, this staff in particular is one of the, maybe one of the best I've ever had. Very good-hearted, love children, and, uh, and they love the Lord. And so we're going to be spending the week together. That's only in a couple of weeks. Uh, June 1st is when that starts. And hope you can 
hope you uh, be praying for them. And uh, if you know any kid that'd like to go, uh, grades through three through fifth, uh, and you'd like to help somebody go to camp, you'd like to contribute to that, it doesn't matter how much, whatever you can give, just make sure you earmark that uh, for primary week on your check memo or on an envelope of some sort. And we'll use that to help a couple of kids go to camp this year. Uh, also, our, we're having a leadership camp out that's at the end of this month, and some of you have been asking about that, uh, and I just found out about it. No, I, I, I just found out where we're having it, okay, this morning, and we've been, trying, we've been wrestling with that. We're going to be having it um, at, a, at a campground north of Carlisle Lake, am I right, Gary? What's the name of that place again? Hazlid? Okay, State Park, and, and it's 15 bucks per liter. Uh, we're going to be... Uh, uh, together Friday night and Saturday. We're just getting our leaders together to be together and uh, ha- hear a couple of things from some folks and, and just enjoy camping out together. That's going to be on the 30th and 31st. And then uh, camp, of course, is going to start the next uh, the next day. Also, as I let you know about your kids' ministry here at Greater Alton, we're starting a, a series called Metamorphosis. And it's, uh, we're going, this is our third or fourth time. We have, a, we have so much in this series, we never get to cover it all. And so we've been using it uh, over the years. And uh, it's all about change. It's all about you know, coming in as a, a worm and you know, changing into a, a butterfly type of thing in Christ. We come as we are and then become like Christ. And so the whole series for our kids is going to be about that. And, and um, it's going to be a great, a great series during the summer. Today I want to, uh, we're, we're in, a, in another series, uh, or this series called Why, another lesson. Before I do that, I, I just remind him, you know, God's helping me here. Uh, you all know about Jim Simpson, right? You know what's going on. Um, and uh, you need to be praying for Jim. Uh, what a man. What a man of God. Um, you know, they're, they're going to get the rest of the tests. I understand results Monday. Well, what I understand is he's got some stuff going on with his spine and some spots on his ankle, femur, different place on his body. They're trying to diagnose what it is. Uh, I I can't give you much more detail. I won't give you much more detail on that other than, you know, it doesn't look good in one sense. Uh, Jim, on the other hand's attitude has been, well, you know, if this is what God wants to do with me and this is how he wants to use me, so be it. And, and, you know, I, I understand that he... Asked, could I? He asked the doctor, "Could I pray with you and pray for you?" I mean, this is a, you know what a what a man of God, you know, uh, to to approach that to say, "Lord, you know, I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. Whatever you want to do with me, you know, for your glory, whatever it be, good or bad." You know, by the way, when a Christian faces life like that, it's good or good. You know, what I'm saying it's not good or bad, and yet I know that's a bittersweet thing, and uh, with uh, Suzanne and and the rest of the family there. But, you know, be praying for Suzanne. Be praying for the rest of the family because it is a, it's a tough thing, tough thing to go through. Uh, with Christ, it, uh, it makes it bearable. It makes it bearable. Uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, situations like that do make us ask why. Why is this happening? You ever had a why question maybe for God? And like a four-year-old, you're, you're almost uh, bugging him to death. You know, why? Why now? Why is this happening to me? Why can't I have and fill in the blank. Why won't this work out like and fill in the blank or, you know, and, and um, you know, I know that we have a, 
We're, we're trying in this series to try to answer these questions. I believe because we're a Christian, we have more answers and better answers than when you're on your own. And, um, you know, we're, we're exploring this question of why am I here today? And if, would you take your notes out if you're going to take notes along and put part one by the title? Because I'm only going to go through two of the points today. Uh, we're going to finish it up next week. Uh, there's just too much here. Too much here when you stop and think about it. Um, and, and I know Gary is going to be working on a lesson called, Why Is This Happening to Me? And I've got Alan, I've asked Alan to work on a lesson. Why the church? What's the purpose of the church in our lives? And so we're going to be looking at these questions like this. And so we always ask questions like this. I think we ask them early. We, I, I find myself asking probably more now than ever. Why? Why? Uh, like a four-year-old tugging on the robe of God. And, you know, I can just see God saying things like, well, because of this. And he tries to answer those questions. And it may be at times it comes down to, Tim, because I said so. It might be an answer like that. Um, and then it may be, well, I'll let you know later. So not all of our why questions sometimes get answered. But I do believe as a Christian we have access to a lot of, a lot of good answers. Um, it's a question that we ask why am I here early in life? You know, uh, let me show you a clip from a popular TV show at one time called Everyone Loves Raymond. Um, you'll see what I mean. Allie? Hi, Daddy. Hi. What you doing? I Listen, um, the other day you asked questions about babies and stuff. When you started sneezing? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, anyway, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that now. Okay. Good, good. <laughs> Let me try to explain a few things. <laughs> Okay, here's what happens. When a man and a woman love each other very much, they get married. And then sometimes they decide to make a baby. Why are there babies? Right, right. Okay, I'm going to get to that. Okay. What a man and a woman do is... No, I mean, I know that the man and the woman have to do something, but... Why are we born? Why has God put us here? <laughs> because that's what? Does God want us here? Yeah, why? (laughs) 
you. I heard you. <laughs> you don't want to talk about sex? <laughs> you, ever, you ever hear the word fallopian? <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, you really want to know why God wants us here first? That's a good question. You see, God is up in heaven, and, well, honey, it's very crowded up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you don't want to be in heaven if it's crowded, right? I mean, remember when we went to Disney World, how crowded that was? Huh? I mean, it was fun, but it was too crowded, right? So God, he sends us down to earth for a little while to ease the heavenly congestion. <laughs> You ever feel like that, though? You're trying to get, you know, you get a question like that, or you're trying to answer a question like that, and you don't know where to start. It just, you know, it's, by the way, it's not just TV shows ask that. We all ask it. We laugh at it because we identify with it so well. And people in the Bible even ask that. David would say in Psalms 89, he'd say, why am I here? He would say, why, why are we born, is what he'd say, for nothing? That's what he would say in the, in the book of Psalms. And Jeremiah one time said this. He said, why was I even born? You remember Job? He even asked himself, I wish I'd never been born. You know, and that's when we ask that question. Usually when it's tough, during a trial, during a tough time. Why am I here? And why is this happening to me? And so we question, what's the purpose of our existence? Where do you start with answering a question like that? I mean, where do you begin? That's why, that's why after I looked at this lesson early this morning, I went, I can't do this in one session. It's too much. Well, you've got to break it down. Let's break it down in a couple, couple of weeks. Give us time to digest at least two points before you get the other two. Where do I start when I answer a question like this? This is a big question. Well, I believe you start you start with your creator you start with God an atheist by the name of Bertrand Russell once said these words unless you assume the existence of God the question of life's meaning and purpose are irrelevant this is an atheist I mean he's right unless you assume there's a God you just, if you don't start there trying to figure it out why I'm here is a waste of time. I explained it this way uh, in, the, in the early service. Uh, right now I'm working on an engine from a four-wheeler at the shop, and it looks just like a Honda engine, like a little Honda four-wheeler. In fact, when you start it up, it sounds exactly like a Honda. But it's made in China. It's not a Honda. 
And so as we're taking the engine apart, I asked somebody, I wonder how they come up with this engine. And a fellow explained to me, who was, uh, worked on motorcycles, said, well, what they've done is they've used a process called reverse engineering, Tim. What they did was somebody in China said, I'd like to make these. And to get around the patent laws, I'll buy the engine, then I'll measure all the parts, and I'll change them just a little bit, and we'll get the same thing. You start from the finished product and work your way back. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us if we want the answer. This is the, this is the great thing about being a Christian. You don't have to start here and work your way back. You can start at the beginning. You get to start with God. It starts with looking at what God says. Your Creator. If I really want to know how to make a Honda engine, I'd talk to the man who designed it. And I could get clear answers. That's the great thing about being a Christian this morning. By being a disciple. Even if, even if you go, man, I'm not a very good Christian. Or I'm having a hard time following God at times. But you know what? This is the best life you could possibly choose. Because you have more answers accessible to you than someone that's on their own. Praise God. Yeah, praise God. In Romans 12, we know Romans 12, if you're familiar with, the, with, with Romans 12, it says something like this in Romans 12, that we're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. And, and then it goes on to say, knowing that, he says you need to make sure you don't, you know, you see yourselves the way you should. Don't get a big head because of this. And you know, for a lot of Christians, we get caught up in self-righteousness, and pride um, when we realize God has got a plan for us like, you know, we're all that in a bag of chips. When we're really, we're just sinners like everybody else. And Paul is trying to remind the Romans, look, yes, you're to be called to be a living sacrifice. A totally different life. It's your spiritual worship. But don't think of yourself too highly than you should. And then the message kind of captures the, the essence of what he's trying to say in verse 3 by saying it like this. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us. Not by what we are or what we do for Him. In other words, not reverse engineering. You don't start here. You start at the beginning. You make God your reference point. That's what God is the reference point. If I, want to, if I really want to know why I'm here and what I'm really about and what's my purpose in life, it starts with God. It starts with looking to God. It starts with trying to figure out what God wants me to do with my life. Now, it says also in Ephesians 1, again, the message says it this way. Notice the reference point again. It's a reference point to God. In Christ, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Is that something? He says, if you want an accurate picture of yourself, it starts with God. And it's in Christ when you become a Christian. It's in Christ when you have a relationship with God. That's when you really find out why you're, why you're here. It starts with God as a reference point. And so it means that I listen to God. I listen to what He has to say. I'm sensitive to what He does. And, I, and I, I get kind of excited about this. He's telling me, not only giving me answers in hard copy, but he's also working to make sense of it all, to help me make sense of why I'm here. So not only is he just giving me information, 
He's interested in transformation by having the Holy Spirit walk with me through everything. And if you're a Christian this morning, I want you to know, I know it may not be the right way to say it. You're the luckiest person on earth. I'll say it this way. You're the most fortunate person on earth. You realize the help that God is giving you to help you figure out why you're here? It's amazing. And you say, well, I'm not sure why I'm here. That's okay. God is eager and willing to help you. And He wants you to know it starts with Him. It starts with the Creator. Look at this passage. Again, the message says it this way. Paul said it this way. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. It starts with God. If you're not sure why you're here on this planet, it starts with a relationship with God. I would suggest to you that, that you, you get to know your, your Creator better. Walk, take a step closer to your Creator. Take a step closer to the one who made you, who understands you. And you will find your purpose. You will find the meaning of why you are here. So, why am I here? It's a good question. Allie is not the only person that has that question. And thank God we have a sharper father than Ray to answer the question. Let me give you two, and then we'll look at the other two next week. Why am I here? Number one, I'm here because of God's love. I know that sounds so broad, but do you realize it's the will of God that you're here? It's what God wants. You're here. Be- I've often asked myself, how come, I- how come we have some, some children are born and die either before they're born or die shortly after they're born. Some people live to be 80-some years old. Some kids, are, their lives are in prematurely. Why? God has a purpose bigger than I can answer. All I know is, and all I'd like to ask you to think about is, why are you here now? Why have you lived as long as you have? And I want you to know the reason you're here is because God wants you here. And it's all about His love. So I love Jim's response to scary news. Well, I'm yours, Lord. I'm in your hands. Whatever you say, whatever you do, I'll do my best to make the best of it. I'll use it for your glory. Wow, what an attitude. Look at this passage. What an encouraging passage. I want to encourage you this morning to see just how much, how much you're here and why you're here and it's on purpose. He says, Long before He had laid down earth's foundations, He had us in mind. Had settled on us as the focus of His love. To be made whole and holy by His love. He's saying before the earth was made. You know, you got anybody you think of that's on your mind a lot? Maybe all the time. I know for a spouse, you hope it's that she's thinking about you, fellas, and, and ladies, am I right? I hope that you know he's thinking about me all the time. But you know, it's, to be honest, is there somebody else though? You you think you think about all the time? Maybe it's your kids. I, you know, I'm going to be a grandpa. You know that, right? No, I don't think you understand. I'm going to be a grandpa again. 
I got two coming. It's going to be crowded on Christmas. We're driving back. <laughs> help, help. No, we're, we're driving back in the pickup truck, and one of them says, you know, we're not all be able to fit in this truck by Christmas. And I go, we don't all fit in this truck now. I think you're right. But it's like, wow. Wow. And so what's on my mind? Grandkids. Last night, we're sitting around a fire, campfire, and Morgan drives uh, a 1998, 1999, 1998, 1999 Sable car for Ethan. Stephanie, uh, Danny and Stephanie gave him a, a Sable car. He jumps, Morgan's driving, he jumps through the, the driver, uh, driver's window and lands in her lap. You hear a yelp? And he's grabbing the wheel and she's operating the gas. It was kind of scary. Yeah, and during all this this stuff, I'm talking to Cassie, and we're talking about her father, and this is going on, and I'm like, wow, you know, what's on her mind? I sit down, I'm kind of tired, drove three hours to get there, you know, kind of tired, look over, and there's, there's Tara, and Bob Bader's made her a s'more, and he hands it to her, and and it's already in her hair. Denise, Denise is giving her orange soda. And I'm thinking to myself, are you practicing? I don't have to go home with them. Oh, my. I'll talk about Kara uh, in a minute, in a little bit more in a minute here. I, what I want you to see is, is that what's on your mind? And, and, you know, and she's reminding me, hey, you know, grandkids coming. Grandkids. It's on my mind a lot. When my father passed away, I thought about him every day. I think about him maybe every other day now. You know, there's, there's somebody on your mind. You know, God's. What was on his mind? His first thought, his biggest thought was you. He was thinking of you before he even made anything. In fact, he made things with you in mind. And you were the focus of his love. That's what it says there. This morning, I want you to know, God loves you deeply, and He thinks about you all the time. All the time. Still does. You're the focus of His love. Turn to somebody and say that. You're the focus of God's love. Say that to somebody. It's the truth. Just in case you missed it. You are the focus of God's love. It says here in Isaiah 45, look, it says, The Lord created the heavens. He formed the earth and made it. He set it up. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. Oh, yeah, like animals and stuff. Really? You think that's what he... He made it for you and I to inhabit. Everything was made for you. The air, the beauty... The food, every the resources. That's why we're called to be good stewards. To take care of the earth. Why? Because it was made for you. And it's it's. And by the way, I want to say it again. It's by God's will. God wants you here. 
Well, maybe other people don't want you around, but God wants you here. It's His will. Ephesians 1, look at this. Long ago, even before He made the world, God chose us to be His very own through what Christ would do for us. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into His own family by sending Jesus Christ. Notice all the references to God. It starts with God. It starts with God, guys, to find out why you're here. By sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And He did this because He wanted to. You ever act like or wonder sometimes, does God really want me around? Why is this happening to me? God must be upset with me. God doesn't want so, He doesn't want me to enjoy life. You really, you really, you really think that's what God? He doesn't want you to enjoy your life. He wants you here. If you're here, He it's because of the will of God. Every breath I take, every breath you take, is an agreement to the will of God. If He didn't want it, it'd be over. So the, one of the reasons you and I are here is because of God's love. He loves you. He wants you here. Reason number two. I'm here to prepare. I'm here to get ready. What are you talking about, Tim? I'm here... The reason, one of the things I've noticed in the scriptures, one of the reasons you and I are here on earth is God is preparing us. You say, well, what about all those children who never were born? They didn't need a lot of preparation. I guess we need a lot of work. You and I are, prepared, are being prepared and, and for what? Be, to become like Christ, and we're being prepared for eternity. You know, when Solomon was trying to figure out why he was here. You know, a whole book of Ecclesiastes, you could just mark through that the title and say, why on earth am I here? You could say that. He's at, trying to get to that question. And so he's trying all these other things, just like we do. We try all these other things. You know, by the end of the book, he finally realizes it's the will of God. You know, it's, it's really the whole duty of man is to know the Lord. That's what it comes down to. It goes back to that reference point. But look what he says here. Well, I, I don't, well, you don't have this verse. Here's what he says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, if you're taking notes. Ecclesiastes 3.11 in the NIV. It says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has set eternity in the human heart. And I thought about that. I looked at that passage. And I think about, you know, he's made everything beautiful. You've got to admit, man, spring has really been good this year. At least in the Midwest. Everything's so green. The trees are beautiful. It's just uh, the clouds. Yesterday, I'm sitting there just enjoying the sunshine and the clouds. The sky was so blue. Spring is so awesome. And I'm looking around and going, man, that's good. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. But all the things I'm looking at in the sky and the birds and, all, and, the, and the trees and the flowers, they all are going to end. They're all going to end. Only you, only I, have something that God has put inside us that makes us eternal. We're not going to end when they put us in a box. That's what I think Jim knows. That's what he understands. That when you realize, I'm eternal. I'm not like my dog, Sandy. We are animals in some ways, 
but I'm eternal and my dog is not. The dogwood trees, you know, the trees we have planted in memory of people on our place and the trees I've planted, they're beautiful. Pine trees are looking gorgeous right now. You know, and the, and, the, and the red buds have finally got their leaves out, the little heart-shaped leaves. I love them, but they're not going to, they're going to, burn, they're going to dry up, they're going to die. Some, even the redwoods that have been around for thousands of years, folks, are going to die someday. But not you. Not me. We're eternal. So why are we on this earth? Is heaven overcrowded? Is that what it is? No, I think we're here. We're going to see. Is to prepare. And God does that by testing us. So life is a test. You're going to be tested. I'm going to be tested all the time. You've been tested this week? I was tested over a 2011 Ford Transit. Just tested. It was so hard to work on. Been tested when we've got six people in a pickup truck. And they're all sleeping. We're, we're tested when uh, it, it doesn't work. Our plans don't work out like they should or like we think they should. We're tested when something's out of our grubby little hands of control. We're tested with physical ailment, with loss. We're even tested with success. Even when it goes good. Yeah, I remember when I was in high school and couldn't wait to get out of high school. And then I got in a tool and die and I couldn't and preacher school and I couldn't wait. I remember going, you know, like Alice Cooper was a big singer in my day. And he sang School's Out for Summer. You know, and I'm like, yeah! And I'm throwing stuff. I remember grad, you know, we went to graduation and all these seniors like, yeah! They're throwing their hats in the air. You know, and I'm like, you got college ahead of you. They're not done. And I found out after I got out of school that school was still in session. And there were all kinds of quizzes. And they seemed to all be pop quizzes. Have you noticed that? It's like you're never ready for them. What's the, what now? No, I don't have time for this. But it's a pop quiz. It's testing time. And God tested... And guys, God tested... All kinds of people in the Bible. Adam and Eve. And this is before things went Jerry Springer. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, when things were perfect, were they being tested? You can have anything you want, eat anything you want, just not from that tree over there. This isn't, we're not tested on the other side of sin, you know, when things fell apart. We, God started testing the very first people. And, he, and he, why he was doing that? To prepare them. To develop them. They were made in His image, but they still had a ways to go when it came to the character of God. Would you agree? Job is tested. In fact, God's sitting there going, hey, this guy's doing pretty good. And Satan goes, well, let me have at him. Well, what are you going to do? I'll show you what I'll well, You can't kill him. I'll let you kill him. I think it's marvelous to know that God won't let us be tested beyond what we can bear. Doesn't the Bible say that? And so what doesn't kill you does make you stronger. It's true. And Satan doesn't test Job's faith. He tempts 
Job's faith. And that's the thing about Satan. Isn't it funny how they sound so much alike, tempt and test? You know, and God does the testing. Satan does the tempting. David, he's tested by God. Oh, you're talking about that time with Bathsheba. No, Satan was tempting him there. I'm talking about he got tested by God when Saul tried to seek his life. When Saul rejected him and their friendship went in the tank. And your, your faith is tested when friendships go in the tank, folks. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Aren't they? All the time. Joseph is tested. Then his family rejects him. And what's he say to his brothers? What you did to harm me actually was the will of God. It, was, it made things better. It actually was for good. It's a good test. That's why as a Christian, you realize the inside track you have with life by making a commitment to Christ, that, you, that a person who doesn't make that commitment to Christ, they don't have. You're, you're in, you're, what you have an inside track on is every test you face is a good one. Every time you face a trial, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Back, back to Cara. We're sitting there, and she's... She, here's, here's, uh, here's Bob Bader on one side with a s'mores. Denise with a soda on the other side. She's surrounded by sugar, folks, okay? And here, she, here comes Bob, and he goes, Hey, let me do something. We're going to make a s'more for you. A s'more? A s'more! And it's got graham crackers, and she can barely get graham crackers phonetically right. Okay. Got marshmallow. Oh, you're starting to pique my interest. But the big one was a chunk of chocolate. And she goes, a bar of chocolate? And Bob goes over to the fire and puts a marshmallow in the fire and puts it together. Something that's been in the fire? How can it be good? puts it in with all that and she bites down and the marshmallow oozes out into her hair on both sides. Big old grin in her face. She goes, it's a yummy in my tummy. And I sat there, little, how the little child will teach us, right? I said, I went, do you realize that marshmallow's been in the fire? It's been in something awful. And some of the trials we have are like going through the fire. And God just says, would you taste it? I know, it's, I know it's bad. I know it's a trial. I know it's hard. And oh, could we get the faith to go, it's a yummy in my tummy. If we could just get there. She taught me something last night. That God's going to test me. And all the tests He gives you and I are good. They really are. They're good. Why are they so good, Tim? How can they be good? Because when we're tested, it reveals and refines. It reveals our character and refines our character. In other words, it helps us get prepared. Look at this passage here in Second Chronicles. God withdrew from Hezekiah in order to test him and to see what was really in his heart. You ever felt like that? God kind of withdraws from you? There's a lot of people in the Bible that felt that way. Even Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you know, he could have stopped. He could have stopped right there and called 
legions of angels, couldn't he? Could Jesus have stopped the cross at that point? He sure could have, but he doesn't. He rides it through. Why? Because it had to do with preparation. He was on this earth to prepare you and me. And yet, when God withdraws from Hezekiah, who finds out what's really in his heart? God does? God already knows. So who's, whose benefit is this for? God's or mine? You see, if God already knows what's in my heart, then testing is for my benefit. It's to help me. That's why in Romans 5, Paul would say, we can rejoice too. He says, we can rejoice. Circle that. We can rejoice too. Can you rejoice too? Who else was rejoicing? Lots of people rejoicing as they went through trials because they understood the purpose of it. Lots of followers of Christ. A person that's not following God has no idea why it's happening to them and, and cannot rejoice through it. I'm learning. I want you to know, guys, I want to be able to rejoice through every trial I have. And one of the things that helps me is passages like this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. I think the Greek behind that, we know they're good for us, is it's, a, it's yummy in my tummy. Something like that. It says that. It's good for us. It says they help us learn to endure. And endurance develops strength of character. It brings out God's character eventually brings it out in us. And character strengthens, look at this, our confident expectation of salvation. We have more confidence in what God can do. But we never know that unless we go through the testing. And we're on this earth for lots of tests. I'll tell you, some of you probably may be going through a lot of tests right now. I know I go through, I'm going through testing. You going through some tests? People testing you? Testing your patience? You know, I think, often wonder, you know, God, how do you make a person more loving? God makes us more loving by put, putting us around obnoxious people. And I think God helps us recognize His love by putting us around people. Huh? <laughs> right? <laughs> How can they love me? I'm, I'm an obnoxious mess. Man, God loves me like this? Wow. That's one of the reasons we have a church. Is to help us with that kind of stuff. So when you're tested, it's a good test. And that means everything that happens to you. And I, What I'm learning is this. Everything that happens to me, the good or the bad, they are not insignificant. They're within the will of God. And God can use them. God can even use temptations that Satan throws at us and somehow use it to bring out character. Didn't he do that with Job? He sure did. I love this in James 1 here. Blessed are those who endure even as they endure when they are tested. When they pass the test, they'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. The Bible talks about five different crowns you can get. This is the crown of victory. He says, Blessed are those who endure. He says, 
when they pass the test. And can I tell you, God wants you to pass the test. He wants you to pass it. And He, he promises to reward you with a Stephanos, which was the crown you wore when you got the gold medal at the Olympics. It was the winners. They didn't have gold, silver, bronze. You got a crown. The winner got the crown. Some towns would take that Stephanos, that crown, and put it at the entrance of a city and say, we have a champion that lives here. That's how honored it was. Just a few days ago, a guy, um, a guy uh, by the name of Kyle White received the Medal of Honor. I don't know if you saw that on the news. He wears two pieces of metal. He wears a bracelet of the six men that were killed during this firefight, this fight they had, not firefight, but a fight, a battle in Afghanistan, and he wears the Medal of Honor. He's proud of both of them. They asked him, you know, when, he, when, he, when this happened, some details. He said, I was, we were getting hammered. At first it started with a couple of shots, and then automatic weapon fire was going everywhere. He goes, I figured I was dead. I had nothing to lose. I go to two of my buddies. They're both already dead. Then I find a fellow, and I drag him back to safety until a helicopter shows up. And he just talked about how humbled he was to wear such a medal because he said it takes a team of people to save people to do stuff like this. But I thought, man, talk about a guy who endured under tests, who, who passed the test, shot twice, and yet I believe with all my heart that God diverted bullets from him so he could save people. He was there for that moment. The reason he was there was to save some people within the will of God, by the will of God. And the Bible says that the tests that you, you endure, the tests that you pass, and God wants you to pass them, guys. I want you to know, I used to get all nervous when I was a kid. Uh, I remember I'd, I'd, I had really a really hard time at school. And the guidance counselor's talking to me and saying, you know, what's the problem? My parents would say, what's the problem? I didn't know how to figure it out. Finally, someone said, Tim, let me ask you something. How do you feel when you're taking a test? And I said, I'm nervous. I'm real nervous. My blood pressure goes up. I'm shaking. I can't think straight. Why? I want to pass the test. I want you to know this morning, I don't know if you ever feel like that under trial. I just get all nervous. I wonder what's going to happen. You have a God that wants you to pass the test and will help you pass your test. Whatever it be. Why? Because He longs to put on you a crown of victory. A crown of life. Why am I here? Two reasons I'm here. One, because God loves me. It's the will of God. Second reason is to prepare me. We're going to look at the other two next week, okay? You have a card in your bulletin. Maybe you got maybe there's something you'd like to say on this card, maybe